Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. All right, folks, I want you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. We're, we're moving right along in our study of the Gospel of John, and we're doing two things here with the Gospel of John. Our, our original purpose, is, which is why we're doing the study, is to get to know Christ. You know, we're in a, we're in a world right now where there are so many different concepts of who Jesus is and how he acts and what he wants, and we need to know the truth. And the only way you're going to find the truth, can I be honest with you, is in God's Word. And, and that's what we're here to look at. We want to know him. And, and with knowing him, John's got two purposes with the Gospel of John. He shows us who he is and what his purpose is and who he really is. But he also shows us how humanity reacts to him and how people respond to him. And, and he points out from the very beginning is that most don't like him. Most reject him. Now, you and I would be like, wow, really? Seriously, when you we understand who he is and you understand his heart and his love and what he's done for us, you don't like him? Well, it's because he says they like darkness. Now again, darkness is not this satanic concept. We have darkness in the scripture, especially in the, in the Gospel of John, is the whole concept of not having God. You're in the light with God, but when you reject God, you're in the darkness. You're on your own. And that's the concept. And so when we come to chapter 6 is where we're going today, we're going to actually see in this chapter two great signs. You've probably heard of them. All the Gospels talk about them. First one is the feeding of the 5,000. Next week we'll look at the next great sign there, and that's Jesus walking on water. And we're going to see how the people respond to that, how they react to it and so forth. And so today... We're going to talk about the feeding of the 5,000. And to be honest with you, it would be great for me to present to you a message about how if you got a need, Jesus will abide overabundantly, and he can. But that's not the purpose of the story. It's actually a test. He's testing his disciples. Now, he's showing something about himself, but he's testing them. Now, do you like tests? I don't like tests. We don't like tests. But that, to be honest with you, is what happens in the Scripture. You get tested every day. Really? James talks about that. When you go through difficulties, that's the testing of your faith. So how are you handling your difficulty? You're facing a test. Well, there's a test today. And we're going to read about it. It's going to be 5,000 people that need food. And we're going to see some things about Jesus. Now, that's what most of it's going to focus on is Jesus. But then at the end, the last two verses of what we're going to look at today, it's going to focus on how people respond to him. And it's going to be interesting again. You're going to see a contrast. You're going to see people who realize, oh, wow, that's who he is. But then there are going to be others that really want to do it their own way. And we're going to see that here. So let's talk about this together. So if you have your Bibles, let's look at verses 1 to 15. And after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him, 
because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are these among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to the disciples, Go gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up, filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the twelve barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Therefore when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. All right, now here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to, we're going to really take this in four parts. Okay, so we're going to see the need first. And I want to talk about the need. I want to talk about Jesus with regards to the need. So hopefully there's some things there that you can grasp about Jesus as you face your needs. Okay, so then we're also going to see the assessment. We're going to see two different assessments. One's from Philip, the other's from Andrew. Then we're going to see the sign. We're going to see what Jesus did. And then I'm going to talk about the response. So hopefully, we're going to learn more about Christ and about ourselves. So let's talk about the need. So first thing you're going to notice, especially when you look at verses 1 to 4, it's going to say, after these things, meaning what? So after he was in Jerusalem, and remember chapter 5 was totally focused on the healing of the man by the pool at Bethesda. The guy who didn't want to be healed, who thought he just needed somebody to throw him in the water, when the water rippled up and Jesus healed him, and of course he reported him to the Pharisees, you know, because he did the healing on the Sabbath, and they were all upset by that, and Jesus, of course, shows who he is and talks about the great signs that point to him. So now John is saying in chapter 6, after these things, Jesus goes over the Sea of Galilee, and he also refers to it that the Gentiles referred to it as the Sea of Tiberias. Tiberius who? Tiberius Caesar. Okay, so the Romans renamed that great big body of water after their emperor. So Jesus is in Galilee. Now, here's the thing. By this point, Jesus has a lot of people following him. Why? Because they see that he heals the sick. Honestly, he, he heals the sick. And so guess what? Everybody's got somebody who's what? Sick. And so they're coming after him to what? Have Jesus heal 
their person or friend or whoever who's sick. I mean, we can understand that. If, if Jesus showed up here, let's be honest. Okay, so like even in our church family right here, we have some folks we have not seen in a year and a half since COVID started because they are vulnerable. They really can't be out or, or they are no longer able to get out. And so they're, they're sick and infirm. We understand that, right? And so we know what's going on. And so if you knew that Jesus was showing up and you've heard the stories that he can heal, what are you going to do? Hang back at the house with your sick loved one? Wow, I wish Jesus would come here. No, you're going to go to Jesus, right? You're going to go where he is, and, and that's where people are. They're coming to see him. And when you look at the crowd, it says 5,000 men. Let me just stop for a moment. 5,000 men. There's a whole lot more than just 5,000 men. Now, why didn't they say the women? Well, that's the culture of the time. Men were more significant in this culture. So they would acknowledge the men. And obviously there's a whole lot more there. So here they are. They're following after him. They're in Galilee. The, t- the setting, the timing, he tells us the timing. John tells us the timing. It's near the time of the feast of the Passover. Because at the Passover, everybody goes to Jerusalem. So this is the setting. So here's the need. So Jesus, it's amazing to me, Jesus, as he's seeing this, if you look at verse of chapter 6 Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming towards him he said to Philip where shall we buy bread that these may eat now there's something significant here so let me just kind of give you the point and then I'm going to lay this out for you seeing the multitude Jesus asks about the need to feed them all right so here's the setting they're up on this mountain Now, I don't want you to think like the hills around here in Kerwinsville. Our hills around here have lots of trees on them. That's not the hills here. That's not the mountains here. The mountains here are barren. So they're up on a a hillside, he and his disciples, and he's looking. Now, 5,000 people, is that a lot of folks? That's twice the amount of folks that live in Kerwinsville. Do you think if you're up on a hillside, you see them coming? Yeah, you'd see them coming. Now... What are the disciples probably? They're probably there thinking, oh, wow, look, a big crowd's coming. They're just thinking, wow, a lot of people are real excited about you, Jesus. We're your right-hand man. Wow. Jesus is looking at him and thinking, we got to feed them. He's already anticipating the need. Isn't that awesome? Jesus, when he sees them, he already knows what their need is. Isn't that what Scripture says? You go to the Sermon on the Mount, When Jesus is talking about prayer, he says to you very clearly that the Father knows what you have need of even before you want. Ask. So here you are. What's the number one thought that goes through our mind when we are wondering about, oh my gosh, I'm going through this problem. God, are you there? God, are you listening? Here's it. God, do you even know what's going on? He knows. Isn't that awesome? He knows. So, seeing the multitude, Jesus asks about the need to feed them. Now, here's the point I want you to see. The question, all right, here's the next point. The question is for our benefit since he knows what he'll do. Jesus already knew what he's going to do. He didn't just was up there like, oh, what am I going to do? Oh, I'll feed them. No, he knew that he was going to feed them. But he's asking the question of the disciples for a reason. Here's the reason. To test them. 
to test them about who he is and what he can do. See, when he, 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 the story here that is given to us, the narrative that's given to us here in the gospel is for our benefit. He asks the questions of the disciples, not just for Philip to grow and Andrew to grow and the rest of the 12 to grow in their understanding and their faith of Jesus. It's for you and I to also grow in our understanding of who he is and that he's going to do what he's going to do. He can handle it. All right, so stop with me. What does that mean, George? Here, I want you to, I want you to get the application. Listen to me. I don't want you to ever think that he is never aware of what you're going through. I don't want you to ever think that he is not working in the midst of your difficulty. Because here's what happens. Go through a problem. I know I've done this. Go through a problem. Oh, God, I need you to help me. God, I need you to do this. Here's my 10 steps to take care of it. You do that? 10 steps to take care of it? God, follow my plan. Then he ignores your plan. He maybe even lets you go through the problem and doesn't solve it. And so here's, you abandoned me, God. You didn't answer my prayer. And you get frustrated. We look at it our way, don't we? I want you to stop for a moment, pause, back up, look at the way God looks at it. He's the one who allowed it to happen. He's the one who is using it in your life for some purpose, for some reason. And it's not that he didn't hear you, he heard you. And it's not that he's not working, he's there working. And he's guiding you through it. This is what we're seeing here. He sees this crowd coming. Oh, guys, what are we going to do here? He already knows what he's going to do. That's the need. So look at their assessment. They respond the same way that we would respond. What do you mean? Look at what Philip says, okay? So let me help you to understand what Philip says. Look with me. Verse 7 Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. Let me explain to you what 200 denarii is. So a denarii was a coin. And that coin was worth a day's wages. So Philip is saying 200 days worth of wages that could buy bread is not sufficient to feed this big, huge crowd of 5,000 men and everybody else that's with them and just give them a little bit. Wouldn't you agree with that? You had five. I mean, if we, we went to, let's say, if we get all of Clearfield, because there's 7,000 people in Clearfield, if we could get them all in one stadium, not anything around here, but we could get them all in there, and it's your job to feed them, you would already say there is no way just even 200 days of my wages is going to feed them to give them a little bit, right? So Philip is looking at this and he's like, there's no way, Lord. And he's probably already thinking, we don't even have that. Okay, so here's the point I want you to see. Here's the reality. There's a perception that the need is beyond their ability. And that's exactly what they're struggling with here, isn't it? There's this perception that there's no way we can do it. That's the first thing that you see there. There's no way that we can handle it. Isn't that how we respond normally? Got some big problem happens. Some God-sized issue happens in your life, and you're looking at it, and you're thinking, I don't have the brain power. I don't have the wallet power. I don't even have the physical power to handle this. There is no way we're going to do it. God, why would you abandon me? By the way, he's the one that lets you face those kind of problems. For a purpose, 
And sometimes we're not meant to figure it out on our own. You might want to write that one down. Sometimes you're not meant to figure it out on your own. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's reality. So there's Philip. 200 denarii worth of bread. 200 days of wages. Couldn't even buy enough bread to feed these folks. So then comes, <laughs> here comes Andrew. Why did he even say anything? But it's for a purpose. Andrew comes along. Look with me at verse 8. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? All right, so let me explain to you. So there's a lad. What does he mean? It, what that is a reference to is there's a youth, probably a little guy. Who knows? Maybe it's a teenager, but this guy's got five barley loaves. So when you think about a barley loaf, I don't want you to think about the bread section at Walmart. Been down the bread section, you got the whole big aisle full of bread, and there's the big loaves there. I don't want you to think about all they got is five loaves sliced, ready to distribute. That was not what a barley loaf was. Can I be honest with you? A barley loaf was kind of like, a, it was first of all the least of the grains to make a, a piece of bread from. And the loaf would probably be about this big around. So that's all they got. It's five of those. And then when you think about fish, don't think about a big catfish. Don't even think about bass or trout. Here's what I want you to think about. Sardine. And it would have been dried. And that's what this little guy has. Five little loaves, two sardines. And, and Andrews says the obvious. How's that going to do anything? Well, it, it, it's not necessarily going to do anything. So here's my point. I want you to see there is a recognition that their resources cannot match the need. There's a recognition that the resources cannot match the need. Look, that's just life, isn't it? You and I are going to face situations where the need goes beyond what we can handle. Right? Goes beyond. But then, here's the reality. There's Jesus. So look at what he does. It's amazing. Look with me at verse 10 through 13. I'll just read it again. Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. And there was much grass in that area. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted so when they were filled, they, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up, filled 12 baskets with fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. All right, so I'm going to point out two things here, two things that I think are amazing to us for us. Here, here, here's the sign. First of all, God uses the insignificant 
to accomplish his will. God uses the insignificant to accomplish his will. It just blows your mind. God uses the insignificant. Five little barley loaves, two sardines. He takes that and he feeds 5,000 people, 5,000 men plus everybody else to the point that they're filled up. Now, do you know what filled up is, right? Think Thanksgiving, want to take a nap, filled up, okay? They're filled up. And then afterwards, there's 12 baskets of the fragments left over. God takes the insignificant and accomplishes his will. You've not seen that. God uses the insignificant to accomplish his will. He takes five little loaves, two fish, and he feeds them to accomplish his will. To accomplish his will. Here's the second thing I want you to see. God provided for the need in abundance. He didn't just feed them. There were 12 baskets left over. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, you can sit there and say, well, how big were those baskets, George? Were they big or were they small? You know what? It doesn't really matter how big they were. The fact is there were 12 of them left over that were filled. That was more than they had when they started. The point is, is he, he provided in abundance. That was God. Because he was wanting to accomplish something. Now, let's, let me stop. This is not a promise that every time you've got a need, God's going to show up and take the little bit, turn something big into whatever. He can do that. He doesn't do that in every situation, but he was wanting to accomplish something here with this one. So this is the sign they did. So here's, here's the reaction. So what's the reaction? First of all, if you're there and you just had a fish and, and Barty loaf lunch, to your filling, excuse me, sardine and barley loaf lunch. I don't know if I like that, but okay, dried fish and barley loaf lunch, and you're filled to the capacity. You're probably thinking, man, who is this Jesus? So here's the response. And so I think this is very telling because you're going to see two aspects of who we are. And this is something we can learn about ourselves from. Okay? So look with me, verse 14. Here's the first point I want you to see. Verse 14. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. The prophet. The prophet. Okay, now who, who's that? What are they talking about? Well, Moses, in his law, the first five books, when he's getting ready to leave, he tells the children of Israel as they're getting ready to enter into the promised land that God was going to send them a prophet who was just like him. That is a messianic promise. God's going to send a Messiah who is just like Moses. Now, what did Moses do? Well, God, through Moses, provided them every day with what? Bread. And meat. He fed them. 
So these folks who are there, they're good Jews. They know their law. They know what Moses said. They're realizing, wait a minute, now this guy just fed us with all the bread we could want and, and all the sardines we could want, all the fish we could want. Whoa, wait a minute, it's him! This is the prophet! This is the Messiah. So here's my point. There, there is a recognition that Jesus is the Messiah. There's a recognition that Jesus is the Messiah. Look, let me ask you something, folks. So here you are, you're going through your crisis, you're going through your thing, and then somehow you get through it. Do you pause for a moment and you say, that was you, God? That was you, God? You heard my cry? You heard my prayer? That was you? See, these folks, when they were eating, they were like, yeah, that's him! It's, it's the prophet! That's one response. But there's another response. Look with me, verse 15. This is not a good response. Look with me at verse 15. He says this. The writer says this. John says this. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself. About what? What do you mean they're about? So word gets out. This is the Messiah. So guess what? They're all wanting someone to throw off the what? The oppression of the Romans. We're going to make him king. So they go to make him king. So guess what? Jesus knows what's going on. Guess what? He leaves. Goes up on the mountain by himself. Why? Because these guys decided they're going to do it according to their plan. Their plan. So here's what I want you to see. Final point I want you to see here. And this is the reality. And that is that many try to accomplish God's plan in their own way. Many try to accomplish God's plan in their own way. This is not the way that he's supposed to do it. Do you understand? In fact, as I was looking at this and seeing them trying to make Jesus the king, I was thought about what the other gospels said, the temptations. Remember? Satan said to him, I'll give you all of these kingdoms. You just bow down to me. What was that? Circumventing God's plan. Why? Because all the kingdoms belong to Jesus, right? But why do they belong to Jesus? Because he went to the cross to die for you and I. Men think they know better. But God's going to do his own thing. That's something I think we really need to think about this day and this world we live in today. I mean, everywhere I turn to, there's some Christian telling me about what they think needs to happen. You know what? I don't have that kind of brain power to figure that out. But then again, God didn't give me that job. Nor did he give it to you. He has it, that job. And that's the one we need to be trusting in, right? Because sometimes his plan ain't our plan. And are you okay with that? Hi folks, this is George. 
I want to thank you for listening this morning, and I want to tell you about a free app that you can get for your mobile device that will allow you to access all the materials and information you need about our church in one device. Simply go to your app store on your Android or Apple device and search for Kerwinsville Christian Church. The app is free, and what you'll find there is everything you need to know, plus all the teaching from our church as well as this program. And we hope that you will utilize that in your search for Christ. Until next week, folks, take care and may the Lord bless you.